1: Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Although hearing loss can be a significant burden for older adults, many wait to purchase hearing aids because of doubts about whether they help treat hearing loss or are too expensive. The FDA's final rule on over-the-counter hearing aids is intended to tackle both of these barriers, although they may not be the best choice for everyone. Today, I have two guests. The first is Dr. Amy Bernstein, an audiologist with the Lesnar Hearing Center. And my other guest is Bonnie O'Leary, Certified Peer Mentor and Outreach Manager with the Northern Virginia Resource Center for Deaf and Hard of Hearing Persons. They will both talk about benefits and limitations of wearing hearing aids and how to decide whether over-the-counter or prescription hearing aids are the best choice. So welcome, Dr. Bernstein and Bonnie, and thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you, Sharon, for asking us.
1: Okay. Well, want to get started, and this question is really kind of directed to both of you, but we'll start with uh, Dr. Bernstein. Tell us why do older adults who may have improved quality of life from using hearing aids not use them?
3: Yeah, uh, I think there are a couple of barriers um, why people may not initially even buy hearing aids um, and then once they buy them why they may not use them. Um, They may not buy them initially because it's difficult to recognize the signs of hearing loss in the first place since it happens so gradually. Um, I often compare it to looking in the mirror. Looking from yesterday to today, you don't think, gosh, I look a lot older today than yesterday. But when you think back 10, 20, 30 years, maybe things were a little bit different. Um, With hearing loss, it comes about so gradually that it is often hard to recognize that it's even happening. And then I'd say a uh, misunderstanding about what hearing loss is. I often have patients come in and say, well, I can hear, but I just can't understand things. So they have this perception that hearing loss is this total lack of hearing um, or hearing perfectly, Um, but it's not. Most commonly, it is a lack of clarity, a lack of understanding, typically from a lack of Uh, hearing the high-pitch or high-frequency sounds, which include most consonants that give us clarity in speech. Um, And then I'd say another barrier is a negative perception about what hearing aids are. If I Google hearing aids, Google search hearing aids, I'll see these old, clunky, honestly awful looking hearing aids or sound amplifiers that don't look like what modern hearing aids really look like. And it doesn't talk about what modern hearing aids can really do. Um, it, really, hearing aids are meant for people of all ages to keep people young and healthy and active and, and you know, a part of their community and participating in conversation. Um, so if there's, this lack of information, uh, people may get wrong information or misinformation and then not pursue hearing aids because of that. And then sometimes I'll see a lack of insurance coverage or financial restrictions being the reason that people don't buy hearing aids. But prescription hearing aids can be found at many different price points depending on where you go and what services they offer or bundle along with it. So there may be some trade-offs, but you can find inexpensive prescription hearing aids. So that shouldn't be the biggest barrier. Once people buy hearing aids, um, they do need to be properly adjusted based on preferences. So it requires follow-up visits back to the hearing care professional, back to the audiologist, um, and then some maintenance and at-home cleaning um, that really needs to be done to keep everything working better longer.
1: Well, and we're going to be talking about all of those uh Uh, various factors a little bit more later. But Bonnie, anything to add to that, uh, what Dr. Bernstein had said?
2: Just a couple of things very quickly, because I do a lot of hearing screenings in the community and I get to talk to a lot of people. And also I've been hearing aid wearer myself for over 25 years. And there are a couple of things. One, yes, cost is an issue for many people. However, sometimes I think that's a little bit of an excuse Because if you look at the UK, where they've got over 6 million people who need hearing aids, only 2 million have them, and they are free. So I sometimes think it's like, well, I can't afford them, it's an easy way out. Also, when people talk to their friends who have hearing aids who cannot stand them, they don't understand that hearing aids don't provide the same result for our hearing that glasses can provide for our vision. So we don't really think twice about wearing glasses, but when we wear hearing aids, although they're fabulous for many of us, I mean, we couldn't be without them. I don't put in my hearing aids and hear like I used to. So when they have unrealistic expectations, it's just easier not to get them at all.
1: And while we're talking then with you, Bonnie, and then I want to get back to Dr. Bernstein as far as this question is concerned, is... Talk about the benefits and the limitations of wearing hearing aids so that people understand if that's what they're going to do, what to expect.
2: Well, the benefits of hearing aids, certainly for me and for all my friends who wear them and for others I've met who wear them, the benefits are it really keeps you connected. When I get up in the morning and put my hearing aids in, I'm on on the air, so to speak. That's what they call it in my family anyway. I could not be without them. But as I said earlier, that my hearing is not normal again because I wear hearing aids. And so the limitations, uh, that is one of them. And then the other limitation, it really isn't the limitation of hearing aids. It's a limitation of understanding how to combine strategies with wearing them because I could have the most expensive hearing aids in the world and not understand several people at a get together simply because of their speech And so it's the speaker, not my hearing aids. The room I'm in makes a difference. And so um, I think the limitations of hearing aids have more to do with understanding how we need to navigate life once we have them.
1: Okay, Dr. Bernstein, any uh, additional comments you wanna make on that request?
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with Bonnie about um, building relationships and having meaningful conversation. I'd also add that they have an excellent impact on cognitive functions, um, that there is a high correlation with hearing loss that's untreated and cognitive decline, uh, meaning that if hearing loss is not treated, we're more likely to see cognitive decline later in life. Um, But we see the opposite when hearing loss is treated. We see less cognitive decline. And then as far as limitations go, I agree. Things are not back to normal. Um, Hearing aids are not perfect, as wonderful as they are. Nothing replaces natural, normal hearing. Um, And then the hearing aids require some maintenance. They're exposed to moisture, debris from the environment and from the body. And so they need some cleaning and some maintenance um, at home and professionally. Last year, I actually had a patient come in who had one-year-old hearing aids that they purchased elsewhere, and they thought, I need new hearing aids. These things aren't working. You know, They're only a year old. I paid so much money for them. And really, they needed a training session on how to clean their hearing aids, a professional cleaning, and we got everything up and running. And a year later, they are still happily wearing the same hearing aids.
1: Well, and I just heard you also say in terms of Expanding beyond uh, just the actual wearing of hearing aids, as I understand it then, Dr. Bernstein, that hearing aids can preserve mental capabilities. And I even think I read someplace that can protect against dementia. Talk a little bit more about that as to what that relationship is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They can. Um Hearing aids allow our nerve of hearing and our brain to hear soft sounds again that it was previously missing because of the hearing loss. Every part of the brain is assigned to do a particular function. And the part of the brain that processes soft sounds when it's not being used, because it's not hearing soft sounds, it's not receiving that input, that part of the brain tends to be used for another process in the research it's typically vision that takes over instead of hearing um, and then when we fit hearing aids that are properly fit properly measured and worn for at least eight hours every day we see the brain starting to receive the soft input again and the part of the brain that typically processes soft sounds begins to process soft sounds again and we see things work back to normal and even with mild to moderate hearing loss we see this shifting of function where the brain's not processing things properly and then when we start to give that input back it starts to process things properly um, which reduces stress on the brain and helps it function better longer
1: Okay. Well, since we want to really focus on the -the over-the-counter hearing aids, Dr. Bernstein, talk about the the new federal rule about the OTC, and that's the term I'm going to use since it's a little shorter. Tell us about that new federal rule. When did it go into effect?
3: Yeah. So the new federal rule about OTC or over-the-counter hearing aids went into effect uh, just a couple months ago in October of this year of 2022. And what it means is that these self-fit do-it-yourself hearing aids are allowed to be sold in stores. So you don't have to get a hearing test or ear evaluation before buying an over-the-counter hearing aid, although I do highly recommend anybody who's considering buying OTC hearing aids to see an audiologist just to be sure that the problems they're experiencing aren't caused by something that requires professional help or medical attention. It's also important to note that OTC hearing aids are not the same as prescription hearing aids. You're not buying the same product just at a store. You're buying a different product, and it has its pros and cons.
1: Are these hearing aids, and in fact any, whether it's OTC or prescription, are hearing aids covered under Medicare? I thought Bonnie said they weren't, but I just wanted to clarify that as, so far as Medicare and even other insurance. What, what do we need to know?
3: Medicare generally does not cover the cost of hearing aids, and most Medicare supplemental plans follow Medicare guidelines, meaning that if Medicare doesn't cover it, they don't cover it either. There may be some supplemental plans that advertise that they cover the cost of hearing aids, um, but I'd be a little cautious. I'd want to look into those and make sure that they don't restrict you to specific providers or certain products that they restrict you to which may not be in your best interest. Um, I met somebody, this was a couple years ago, who had some insurance coverage and they said, oh, if I you know, buy hearing aids, they'll pay for them in full. And then they looked into it in a little, in a little bit more detail and they found that the nearest provider was about 100 miles away, um, which is not practical for most people, especially with the follow-up visits that are required back and forth. Most health insurance plans for federal employees have hearing aid benefits that cover part of the cost of hearing aids and can be used at any practice towards any hearing aid. So if you're a federal employee, um, that one's more likely to have some hearing aid coverage. As far as other private insurance company plans, they really vary by employer. It's generally a contract between your employer and the health insurance company. And so, the best way to find out if you have any hearing aid benefits is to call the number on the back of your insurance card and ask if you have any hearing aid benefits. Um, And if you don't have benefits, it may be a good idea to talk to your employer about the desire for hearing aid coverage so that they can negotiate their contract with the health insurance carrier.
1: Well, and I also was wondering, too, whether or not the level of hearing loss uh, is it people with a certain uh, level, as it were, more likely to be eligible for uh, OTC hearing aids?
3: Yeah. So uh, the FDA uses the term perceived mild to moderate hearing loss, um, which is hard. I talked about the difficulty in recognizing that hearing loss even exists. It's really hard to classify uh, what's perceived mild to moderate hearing loss, Um In general, as far as guidelines go, if you have trouble hearing speech in very loud environments like busy restaurants or bars, or if you have to turn the TV up a little bit louder, um, that may be an indication that over-the-counter could be a good solution for you. It would not be appropriate for anybody who has trouble hearing conversations in quiet or in just a little bit loud, a moderately noisy environment, um, or if they have trouble hearing loud sounds like power tools, or if they have to, t- to turn the TV up a lot louder, um, their hearing loss may be too severe for an OTC hearing aid. Um, <clears throat> it's also good to note that the uh, OTC hearing aids are only for adults ages 18 and over. Um, and again, even though you're not required to get a hearing test before buying an OTC hearing aid, I highly recommend one to determine the type and extent of your hearing loss, um, which is measured using professional equipment.
1: One other question that I just wanted to ask you in regards to what to know, if an older adult purchases an OTC hearing aid, might they need certain technical expertise to update their phone's software settings or whatever is necessary in order to make them usable?
3: Yeah. So an OTC hearing aid is a a do-it-yourself, self-fit hearing aid. So you need to be able to follow the protocols um, for that specific hearing aid, which are often done through a smartphone. Um, sometimes also through a computer or a remote control. So you need to have some technical expertise to work those systems and and figure it out. Um, And then if you have difficulty setting up an over-the-counter hearing aid or you're not getting good results, that may be a good indication that maybe it's not the right product for you, and that would be a good reason to seek professional help from an audiologist.
1: Okay. Well, Bonnie, I wanted to get back to you in terms of other features of OTC hearing aids. Again, when someone is buying it, why is it important to ensure they fit correctly?
2: Well, here's the thing, Cheryl. Any hearing aid needs to fit correctly, whether it's over-the-counter or a prescription hearing aid, because if they don't fit correctly, they're going to feedback. they're going to whistle, you're not going to get the benefit of them. So it's not just the OTC. And unlike my hearing aids, because I have a profound loss, so I have very large ear molds, but the OTC, because they're not designed for people like me, they have a little little like a silicone tip at the end that just slide into your ear canal and i not having purchased otc myself i have to assume that you can get a variety of sizes Amy might be able to address that a little bit more but uh, depending on how big your ear canal is hopefully that there is a selection of tips that enable you to have one that will that will fit properly. Otherwise, you won't get any benefit from them at all.
1: Well, and along those lines, if it doesn't fit well, or some of the other things which we're gonna talk about, as well as what both you and Dr. Bernstein have already mentioned, do over-the-counter hearing aids even have a a return policy?
2: Well, the FDA did not include any regulations about that. And in the state of Virginia, Uh, For prescription hearing aids, you have 30 days to try them out. And if you're not happy, you return them for some kind of a fee, which varies from practice to practice. With over-the-counter hearing aids, the general advice is you're going to go onto the website of the manufacturer of that hearing aid and see the answers to those questions on their website. Or there might be an 800 number that you can call that comes with the hearing aid, but you need to find all that out ahead of time. And that will vary from manufacturer to manufacturer and possibly from state to state wherever they're made. So that's something you have to find out on your own.
1: And you need to check that out before you purchase them, sounds like. Right. Okay. Well, Dr. Bernstein, I wanted to get back to you because there seems to be a lot of terms connected with OTC hearing aids. And and the first one that I noticed was something called customization. Let's start with that. And there's kind of a secondary question, but explain to us what is customization?
3: Yeah. So in prescription hearing aids, I'd say that it's the ability to change the programming in billions of different ways to make the settings work for the patient. So it needs to take into account the actual hearing loss and the size and shape of the ear canal as well as the patient's preference for sound. Um, And then I'd say as far as physical parts also, um, choosing the ear tips or the part of the hearing aid that goes into the ear or making custom-made parts that fit in the ear known as ear molds where you take an ear impression or mold of the ear and have something uh, custom made like what Bonnie was describing she has. Um, And so customization as far as physical parts and as far as programming. For OTC customization, I'd say that it's very limited. From what I've learned, there will be preset options in the OTC devices, and it's up to the user to work with the OTC system to figure out what might be closest to their hearing loss, and then up to the user to figure out the size and shape of their ear and how the sound ultimately reaches their eardrum, which honestly is uh, kind of an impossible task without measuring it. Um, So I think that there are some barriers there.
1: What I'm hearing you say is is that hearing aids can be purchased in different styles and sizes and I even heard about the tip, which would mean the size of the the ear canal. but everybody's different. And so buying something uh, in, off the shelf, as it were, may ultimately cause some difficulties just because um, it isn't the right, Fit or style? Is that what you're telling us? I just want to be sure.
3: Yeah, uh, absolutely. With an OTC hearing aid, I believe they might come with something like six tip options um, compared to prescription hearing aids that have hundreds of tip options um, and have the ability to make something custom made for the ear tip. And as I said, the the tip of the hearing aid or the the part that's actually going into the ear canal um, has an acoustic impact, meaning that it impacts the sound of the hearing aid and what ultimately reaches the eardrum. Um, So it's something that an audiologist can measure and take into account, um, and OTC hearing aids cannot take that into account.
1: And I believe there's another feature also, Dr. Bernstein, uh, the earwax filter I kind of heard you say this a little bit before, but explain to us one more time what an earwax filter is and and why that's important.
3: Yeah, so before I mentioned cleaning the hearing aids and the at-home maintenance and changing the earwax filters um, is is one of the critical parts of that. It is what I consider really a a magic little piece in the hearing aid um, that, when replaced, can bring a seemingly dead hearing aid back to life what it actually is is a small typically white filter that sits at the tip of the hearing aids speaker and so it's a barrier between the ear canal and ear wax and skin cells and the actual electronics in the hearing aids of the hearing aids speaker and its job is to prevent ear wax and skin cells from going into that speaker and damaging the hearing aid eventually a wax filter does collect with debris and wax and that's when the hearing aid can sound weak or dead and that's when that wax filter needs to be replaced which i mean if you're looking for any general recommendations out there um, most people i recommend changing it about once a month or sooner if the hearing aid sounds weak or dead It's also important to note that not all hearing aids have wax filters, only certain styles of hearing aids have them. Um, So if you are currently in hearing aids, I recommend asking your audiologist if yours has them and can they be replaced at home, how to do so and, and walk you through the cleaning protocol of whatever hearing aid you have.
1: So much to know here. Well, we're going to take a short break uh, right now. And uh, in case you tuned in late, uh, we are obviously we're talking about over-the-counter hearing aids. And we're speaking with Dr. Amy Bernstein, who is an audiologist with the Lesnar Hearing Center, and Bonnie O'Leary who is a Certified Peer Mentor and Outreach Manager with the Northern Virginia Resource Center for Deaf and Hard of Hearing Persons. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back.
0: Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care.
1: Welcome back. We are having a great discussion about over-the-counter hearing aids, but also prescription hearing aids. Our two guests are Dr. Amy Bernstein, who is an audiologist with the Lesnar Hearing Center, and Bonnie O'Leary, a certified peer mentor. And outreach manager with the Northern Virginia Resource Center for Deaf and Hard of Hearing Persons, and before the break, Dr. Bernstein, you were giving uh, some—not some, but lots of information about the various uh, features of hearing aids, um, both kinds, as a matter of fact. But uh, I also wanted to ask about why is the custom volume adjustment necessary? What is that, and why is it important?
3: Yeah, sure. So most Prescription hearing aids automatically adjust to changing listening environments. So when you're in quiet, they act one way. And when you're in a noisy situation, they act another way. Um, But as smart as they are, they don't know what you want to listen to or your preferences in a given sound environment. And so you may want things a little bit louder or a little bit softer in a given environment. So it's nice to have that control, that volume adjustment. Um, But I'd say it's not necessary, um, especially if you're wearing more top-of-the-line hearing prescription hearing aids. Um, They're better at adjusting automatically in changing listening environments. So you might have less of a desire to change anything. In lower-end hearing aids, you may have more of a desire to change the volume because they may not be as good at adjusting to changing listening environments.
1: Bonnie, what are your thoughts about that?
3: As a
2: hearing aid wearer, um, I'm going to throw my two cents in here, Amy. Um, I, can, I prefer not having auto adjust. And I think one of the reasons for me is because I'm impatient and I know auto adjust the hearing aids are trying to determine how long you're going to be in that environment. It could be a few seconds. I just want to reach up and push my button and change my volume immediately. So I, and I love having that feature because every environment that you're in during the day can have a different well, it can just be a different type of environment, it can be very loud or very soft. And so all I have to do is push my little volume button and I get an immediate response to that. So I definitely prefer that.
1: And Bonnie, since we're talking about volume and sound, and I didn't even know this, but uh, so I'm anxious to hear what both of you have to say about Directional microphones uh, and how can directional microphones be useful, especially in a, a a noisy environment? Then I also wanted to hear from both of you as to a background noise filter. Uh, these are really important concepts which folks again need to know about.
2: Okay, as far as directional microphones, I think I'd like Amy to answer that first about the technical part, and then I can talk a little bit about the wearer part.
3: Okay. (laughs) Dr. Bernstein? Sure thing. Not a problem. Um, Directional microphones is the use of two microphones on each hearing aid. So two microphones on the right hearing aid and two microphones on the left hearing aid that help the hearing aids identify where sound is coming from. So if it hits, say, the front, there's a front and a back microphone on each hearing aid. If it hits the front microphone and then the back microphone, the hearing aid knows that sound is coming from the front and vice versa. Um, In general, hearing aids will prioritize sounds from the front and reduce sounds from other directions, especially in noisy environments, so that it can help filter out some of the background noise, working under the assumption that a person wants to hear What they are facing in an environment with background noise while wearing hearing aids. It's typically, therefore, best to have all the noise and undesirable sounds behind you and only who you want to hear in front of you um, so that the hearing aid can suppress sounds from the back and sides and amplify what's in front. Um, Hearing aids have been using this technology for a number of years. In recent years, They've also gotten a little bit smarter in these environments, um, mostly because people will bring up the case of, well, I'm at a restaurant and the waiter comes up behind me and starts talking to me. And so if the hearing aids are reducing sounds from behind too aggressively, then you end up missing what somebody close to you and behind you is saying. So the hearing aids have gotten a little bit better at still leaving things a little more open to hear Say the waiter or waitress behind you while reducing more distant background noise, but they're not perfect.
1: And to that point, then, I did you mention th- this so called background noise filter?
3: Yeah, so they work in conjunction with each other. Okay. Um, and so a background noise filter, um, audiologists may refer to as digital noise reduction. And so we have control over how aggressively we want the hearing aids to reduce background noise or how not aggressively we want that to occur. Okay. Bonnie?
2: Well, I think if if I understood Amy correctly, um, that there, there really isn't a hearing aid that eliminates background noise. And sometimes there are potential hearing aid wearers who are thinking well i'd like to, i'd like to get hearing aids so that when i go out to a noisy party a noisy restaurant a noisy whatever i can reduce that noise or i can eliminate that background noise sometimes that is a sales pitch not from amy but sometimes from other practices will say oh these are going to eliminate background noise and they really don't they reduce it somewhat but if you're in a noisy restaurant for, let's say a couple of hours, your brain starts to adjust to that noise reduction. And all of a sudden it just seems noisier than it was when you first set that noise reduction. So it's a, I think it's a pretty complicated thing. Um, but I know that when I use my, my filter, it definitely helps. I wouldn't be without it. But I know that it's not going to make the background noise completely disappear. That's not going to happen.
1: Okay. Well, another feature, shall we say, that I'd like to hear about from both of you is Bluetooth connectivity and why it's beneficial. So let's start with that. Bonnie, did you want to talk about that? Or shall we start with uh, Dr. Bernstein?
2: I think, Dr. Bernstein, because I the Bluetooth signal is too weak for me, so I don't use it.
1: Okay. Dr. Bernstein, talk about that, and then maybe since um, we're, you've got the floor, so to speak, the maybe you could talk about the difference between Bluetooth and the uh, telecoil. Those are really technical terms we need to know more about.
3: Absolutely, they are. Uh, I'll, I'll try to put this in uh, easy-to-understand ways. Um, Bluetooth is a low power radio wave. And so it's an invisible way to carry information like sound or instructions from a connected device. So from a phone, tablet, or computer to a Pair of wireless headphones or a pair of hearing aids. Um, and so the information that it can carry is sound. So things like a phone call, uh, music, podcasts, audiobooks, anything you're listening to from your connected device that has sound. It can also send instructions, um, like acting as a remote control to tell your hearing aids to uh, increase or decrease volume or, or change all sorts of other settings. I'd say that the benefit of Bluetooth with hearing aids is that when you can play a sound directly from an electronic device to another electronic device, you're going to have a better sound quality. You're going to have less noise interference um, because sound doesn't have to travel through space from one device to another. And when sound travels through space, noise can interfere and distance makes sound softer. And so that can lead to better speech understanding of whatever you're listening to when you're listening to it with this more direct wireless Bluetooth connection. Um, And it also gives you control over your hearing aids. Um, So Bonnie mentioned how she absolutely loves her volume control, could not be without it. Um, She mentioned that she can push a button on her hearing aids. Um, Most hearing aids have that feature where you can push the button on your hearing aids. For some people, that button can be difficult to reach because of dexterity issues or other reasons. And so having a remote control for your hearing aids, either a separate remote control or um, one using the smartphone with Bluetooth can allow you to make lots of changes. Um, And I actually, I wrote a whole article on uh, Bluetooth connectivity with hearing aids. Um, So if anybody's interested, they can go on uh, our practice's website, which is lessnerhearingcenter.com and forward slash audiologist will have my bio, which has links to um, the whole article on, on Bluetooth. And then you mentioned telecoil. Telecoil is similar to Bluetooth in many ways, but it is a higher power signal, Telecoil is a copper coil, so a physical copper coil wrapped around a metal rod that's built into hearing aids, and it works like an antenna that can pick up sound being sent through electromagnetic waves. Um, Most common electromagnetic wave sound is a telephone. That's how sound is sent through the telephone. In hearing aids, it can be used to pick up sound sent through the telephone with a stronger signal, Um, or at certain theaters that offer telecoil technology to send the sounds from the microphones up on stage. So everything the performers are saying um, through this sound system often requires a neck loop that you wear to the hearing aid. So you can hear what's up on stage right in the hearing aids directly. And again, that gives you the same kind of benefits where you have a better sound quality, less noise interference, and ultimately better speech understanding of what you're listening to.
2: Bonnie, anything to add to that? Yes, I love my telecoil, and I would not be without it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it, what I love when we're, let's say you're in a great big room that has a loop that goes all the way around the perimeter, and somebody is going to deliver a nice presentation and a PowerPoint. You can sit at the back of the room, and the sound of the person's voice when they speak through the microphone comes right into your ear. Plus, another thing that's great about the telecoil is it doesn't put the same kind of drain on your batteries as Bluetooth does. In fact, there's no extra drain on the battery when you use telecoil. So, and it's pretty popular in Europe. The last time I landed in London at Heathrow Airport, it was late at night and I got in a cab to go to the hotel and the taxi was looped. He had a T with a line through it and And I got in and I said to the driver, are you kidding me? You have a a loop in this cab? And he's like, yes, love, I turned it on. I sat in the back of the cab and I was able to talk to the cab driver all the way to the hotel using my telecoil.
1: Well, good for you. That made your travel experience even more positive. So uh, happy to hear that. So, well, Dr. Bernstein, I'm going to get back to you about some of the things, uh, not so much the features, but maybe what to know again insofar as the uh, OTC hearing aids. The first question would be, what should buyers know about warranties?
3: Yeah, so um, all prescription hearing aids are going to have warranties. I think we already mentioned a little bit about a trial period or return policy in the state of Virginia of at least 30 days. Um, And most practices even extend that a little bit longer. And a small portion of it may be non-refundable during that time frame, but most of the purchase will be refundable. As far as actual warranty goes, most prescription hearing aids carry a repair warranty that can vary between about one and five years that covers any kind of uh, accidental Damage to the hearing aids that is, um, I'll say, not severe, something that's repairable, Uh, a small part breaks or cracks, or the sound isn't functioning correctly. You may think, wow, this thing's dead, it's not working, Um, but typically it requires a smaller fix or repair. And so the hearing aids come with a repair warranty. The hearing aids also carry a loss and damage insurance policy. So if the hearing aid gets lost, or damaged beyond repair, so we're talking about severe damage here. Most recently, I had a patient who's dropped their hearing aid outside, and it got run over by a car, and it rained overnight, and they found it the next morning. The thing was crushed to bits. Um, That went under a damage beyond repair policy, and that typically lasts one to five years as well, and it's typically a one-time benefit, so meaning that uh, you are allowed to lose a prescription hearing aid once within the one-to-five-year period. You pay a small processing fee, and the manufacturer will replace place that hearing aid. Um, And that's typically once per device. So once for the right ear and once for the left ear. Uh, You also have options to extend your warranties. Um, Depending on what your initial warranty was and how the manufacturer works, you may be able to extend your warranty through your audiologist's office or through an outside company like ESCO, your service company. They are ESCO or Midwest Hearing Agency are probably two of the most common hearing aid insurance companies. Um, It's also good to note that warranty policies follow the hearing aid serial numbers and the patient name. So let's say you were to buy prescription hearing aids and then a year or two later you move states. um, Your warranty will be honored elsewhere and so the hearing aids could be repaired or lost and replaced um, if they have warranty coverage. Um, That's something that's between the hearing aid wearer and the manufacturer, although it's processed through an audiologist. Um, And it's good to note that audiologists often include service as part of their warranty. um, And that would be for the audiologist that you purchased the hearing aids from. So in this scenario where you move states and um, something happens, you may have to pay a small fee for the audiologist's time um, but not, say, for the parts that are covered under the warranty. As far as OTC hearing aids, um, there's no law for a return policy or warranty, so it will vary by manufacturer. Um, checking the website or packaging of the OTC hearing aid will be the best place to find information about warranties.
1: Okay, well, let's move on to where to purchase them. I mean, I was just wondering, from what I'm hearing, there's different places to do so. So talk about that, and then I'm wondering also whether there's any significant difference between, say, going to a store and purchasing the uh, OTC hearing aid versus uh, getting them online. What do we need to know?
3: Yeah, so what I've seen as far as um, online or in stores, I've seen places like uh, Best Buy. Uh, I believe CVS is adding them soon or maybe already has at some locations and same with Walgreens and Walmart. Um, And from what I I understand, there's absolutely no difference if you're buying it online or in store um, because the OTC hearing aids are entirely self-fit do-it-yourself hearing aids. You're on your own. Um, so it doesn't matter if you buy them online or buy them in stores. Um, it's, it's on you. I even um, I recently went to CVS myself for something and was talking to the pharmacist there. And she expressed concern that CVS will be selling OTC hearing aids in the store and that she's not trained on them at all. And uh, I only had a few seconds with her, and my one piece of advice was to encourage people who are considering OTC hearing aids to see an audiologist for a hearing test just to rule out that the hearing loss is caused by something that needs medical attention and make sure that they're good candidates for OTC hearing aids. Um, my my real hope with these OTC hearing aids is that it will get people to start thinking about their hearing Um, and hearing loss, and seek help sooner rather than later. So, you know, I think it's great um, that they will be accessible. I think there are limitations, um, but hopefully it gets people, as I said, thinking about things sooner rather than later. Um, And then it's good to keep in mind also that if if OTC doesn't work for any reason, um, that's a good reason to seek a professional's help.
1: And and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just wondering if the OTC hearing aid do- doesn't work, it, it would be okay even to come to see you say or another audiologist about the problems they're having. Just wanted to be sure about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if OTC is not working, it's a great idea to reach out to an audiologist. How they help you and how that works may vary by office and their, their policy for helping with um, OTC hearing aids. Um, but I mean, something to think about if, if OTC is not working for you, it's it's designed to be a do-it-yourself solution, and it's designed for certain types of hearing loss. And so if it's not working for you, it may be because it's not the most appropriate solution for you. Um, and that's where a professional and audiologist can maybe shed some light on why it's not working for you and talk to you about options that, that will work for you.
1: Okay. And then I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you one other question about the price range. Uh, is it is it advisable to do some comparison shopping again, uh, maybe different places to get them, but also between prescription hearing aids and OTC hearing aids?
3: Yeah. Uh, I think you'll find that prices uh, vary greatly with both OTC and prescription hearing aids. Um, OTC, the cost of them is going to be just of the devices themselves without any service or help because that's that's what you're getting. You're getting a do-it-yourself solution. Um, prescription hearing aids generally um, are higher quality devices and include service in their price as well. Um, and what that looks like may vary from office to office. Um, there's likely to be some overlap in cost between I'd say high end OTC and low end prescription. And I I do highly recommend doing some comparison shopping. Um, Even I've had people even tell me, hey, you know, I'm looking at this OTC solution, I'm looking at your prescription hearing aids, um, because then the audiologist can help point out the differences and um, you can help make a better informed decision for yourself, whichever way that may be.
1: All right. Well, Bonnie, I wanted to get back to you and uh, get just some general questions about hearing aids that I think our listeners would appreciate knowing. And the first is, how long does it take to adjust to a hearing aid? And to that point, what are circumstances that might impact on how well you adjust and how long it takes?
2: Well, I think a lot of that depends on the level of hearing loss that you have and how long you've waited before you actually get the hearing aids. So uh, if you are, sometimes this has to do with your basic personality. If you're kind of an alpha person and you realize that you're losing your hearing and you get hearing aids pretty quickly, the chances are you're going to adjust pretty quickly simply because you want to do something about your hearing loss and you identified it fairly early on. If you are, someone who has had a very, very gradual loss. And as Amy mentioned earlier, sometimes it is so gradual that it's other people who notice first before you do. And so let's say it's seven or eight years from the time you started to lose your hearing until you finally are in a position to go get hearing aid. And it could take quite a while to adjust because your brain has to kind of wake up and be able to interpret sounds again. And everyone is different. Some people want to put their hearing aids in and wear them all day and just get right to it, which really is the best thing to do, but not everyone is comfortable with that. So they may try to get up in the morning, and put your hearing aids in for a couple of hours and maybe take them out for a couple of hours, kind of do the in and out. I did that simply because I could not stand having anything in my ears. And I was young at the time, I was in my mid forties when I started to lose my hearing. So I really didn't want them in at all. And I felt claustrophobic and I just couldn't stand it. But eventually I was reading enough about hearing loss to realize that if I wanted to adjust my hearing and do as well as I could, that the best thing for me to do was to put them in in the morning and wear them all day so that my brain could have a much better chance at adjusting more quickly to identifying sounds again. And once I did that, it was interesting. My kids noticed a difference in a couple of weeks and how much better I was doing. But again, that may very well be an individual choice. Another thing is, as far as Factors that can influence how we adjust to wearing hearing aids. This may sound a little strange, but sometimes it's very, very important to have family support and friend support. Because if people are making fun of you when you're getting hearing aids, like, oh, mom, or grandma, or my wife, or my husband, oh, yeah, did you hear what I had to say? You know, they, they, almost put you down a little bit. And when that happens in a family, somebody may just put their hearing aids in a drawer and say, forget it because nobody is supporting me. So if anybody is listening to this program who loves someone who has a hearing loss, it's very important to be Um, to cheer your person on and to give them a lot of emotional support and say, hey, I am so glad you're doing something about your hearing loss. This is fantastic. How are your hearing aids doing? Or you're doing so much better. That's something that's very, very important to remember.
1: Okay. Well, we're getting close to the end, and I want to just make sure that I get a couple more questions. Uh, Bonnie, as long as we're talking with you, why don't you also give us an overview of how wearers should care for their hearing aids
2: oh caring for hearing aids very easy keep them clean keep them wax free there are wipes audio wipes you can get from amazon and you clean them every day i have a little uh stay dry unit that i put my hearing aids in at night with a desiccate sponge in it it pulls the moisture out uh the the better you care for your hearing aids the longer they're going to last for you Amy might have something to add to that, but it's pretty much keeping them clean and wax-free.
1: Dr. Bernstein, any additional comments about that?
3: Yeah, I'd I'd say just to to learn how to keep them clean and wax-free, just ask your audiologist. They will be more than happy to show you exactly how to do that for your specific hearing aids. Um, And then typically, we also recommend a professional cleaning every six months um, just to kind of get to things that you can't get to at home um, or sooner if something stops working properly.
1: Okay. And one other quick question and then final comments. Should wearers of hearing aids, uh, either prescription or OTC, continue to have professional hearing tests from an audiologist? Uh, Dr. Bernstein, we'll start with you.
3: Yes, absolutely. Short answer. Um, I, I think it's important to initially just to know what your hearing loss is, the what's causing it, the source of it, and the extent or degree of the hearing loss, and to track it for changes over time.
2: Totally, totally agree. Absolutely. All hearing aid, whereas, whether OTC or not, you should absolutely have your hearing checked every year.
1: Okay. And any final comments from you, Dr. Bernstein, as far as best resources to learn about OTC hearing aids?
3: I'd say one of the best resources out there is the Hearing Loss Association of America, HLAA. Uh, Their website uh, is hearingloss.org. And they have some great tip sheets on over-the-counter and prescription hearing aids, Um, Another couple websites, hearingtracker.com has some really good information, again, on both OTC and prescription hearing aids, um, and audiology.org, which is the American Academy of Audiology, Um, all great resources to learn more about, I'd say, both OTC and prescription hearing aids.
1: Okay. So much good information here today. Well, I want to thank Dr. Amy Bernstein with the Lesnar Hearing Center, the audiologist with the Lesnar Hearing Center, and Bonnie O'Leary with the Northern Virginia Resource Center for Deaf and Hard of Hearing Persons for joining me today. Thank you both for being with me.
3: Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Okay. And to learn more about Aging Matters, of course, you can look at our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And of course, at that site, you can access all of the Aging Matters radio and TV show content in addition to the podcasts, which are on Apple and Spotify. So be sure and check out the website and uh, take a look at what we have to offer. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media And you can learn more about that company at inkmouthmedia.com. So thank you for listening to Aging Matters again today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.